peace from God, our Father, and our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation on this Ash Wednesday is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. We hear verses 32 through 34. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So far, our text. I must have been temporarily insane. That was my defense years ago when accidentally, incidentally, through no fault of my own, don't you know, I planned a fishing trip up in the Boundary Waters during the week of my wedding anniversary. What were you thinking? My not-so-happy wife demanded. But that really wasn't the problem because I had been thinking, but I was thinking about 19-inch walleyes and smallies and shore lunches at a perfect campsite in canoe country paradise. But I couldn't tell her that. I couldn't tell her that I had conveniently forgotten about our day. No, the best that my man, am I in trouble now, brain could produce was this, I must have been temporarily insane. See Mary Ellen by that? Not a chance, and you're crazy if you think that she did. Didn't happen. Which really isn't that surprising, because not only is the temporary insanity plea extremely rare in our legal system, less than 1% of all cases, it even more rarely ever works. Judges don't see this particular plea very often, and they seldom take it seriously when they do. Apparently, wives feel the same way. And so I find it interesting that in our text tonight, Christ himself contemplates a temporary insanity defense, or at least something close to it. So welcome to God's house on this Ash Wednesday as the season of Lent begins. And our Lenten series is entitled Words That Last Forever based upon the famous uh, seven last words, the seven final phrases uttered by God's Son during the dark and final hours of his suffering and death. And as so often happens in Lent, we are transported to the foot of the Good Friday cross tonight, where, if you listen closely, you can hear the hoarse voice of Jesus rasp out these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there is a kind of courtroom atmosphere taking place on that hill with the one who is stapled to the cross acting like an attorney. And you expect that Jesus would be the prosecuting attorney, pleading with the Father to condemn those responsible for his innocent and over-the-top death. Hey, Dad, these folks are murderers. Punish them. 
cook up some lightning bolts, some pillars of salt, or some kind of plague, but do it, Father. They're guilty. Smite them and smite them now. But that's not what happens at all. Believe it or not, Jesus plays the defense attorney as he is dying. And, and this is, get this, he defends his murderers and all of their accomplice, accomplices as he dies. Father, he pleads, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Say what? Sounds like an insanity plea to me. Or at the very least, a father, forgive them because they're ignorant. Really, Jesus? They didn't know what they were doing? And don't you think those Roman soldiers knew what they were doing? I mean, of course they did. It was their job. And they did it very well. Don't you think high priest Caiaphas knew what he was doing? Those 30 pieces of silver came from someone. Pilate was certainly aware, or he never would have tried to wash the guilt from his hands. And the criminals hanging there, well, they actually admitted that they were being punished justly for their crimes. Everyone in the vicinity of the cross on that afternoon, the betraying Judas, the denying Peter, and the rest of the run-for-the-hills disciples, they were fully cognizant of their actions that afternoon. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing to Jesus. So why? Why, Jesus? Why, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I believe that Jesus is referring to the cover-up. The cover-up that your sinful nature always produces before, during, or after every time you disobey God. I mean, this is Eve thinking to herself, well, the snake said that that fruit is good for food, and it'll make me wise like God. I think God's been holding out on me. This is the two-year-old whose face looks like an advertisement for Hershey, Pennsylvania, looking you straight in the eye, saying, me no eat cookie. Officer, I didn't realize that I was speeding. Yes, you did. I didn't realize that I pushed the send button. Uh-huh. I didn't know there was a case of Diet Coke in the bottom rack of my shopping cart. You did. You put it there. I thought you said my curfew was 2 a.m. Yeah, right, like that's ever going to happen during your teenage life. It's what our sinful nature always tries to do, to hide, to deflect, to camouflage, and to convince us that we really didn't do the crime at all. And if we did, it wasn't our fault. So this is where I want to bring two things to your attention. The first is this. You can try to hide your sin from yourself, and you can try to hide your sin from God by pleading insanity or claiming ignorance or designing an elaborate cover-up. You can do that, and we all do that. 
but doesn't it touch your guilty soul to know that Jesus willingly carries your sin before his heavenly Father and pleads for mercy? And if Jesus did this while dying on the cross, don't you think he will do that for you this very night? And he will. In fact, try thinking about that before you sin sometime, that Jesus carries your sins to the Father, and it will stop you in your tracks. Second thing I want to point out to you tonight is this. Though you might pretend or even convince yourself that you don't know what you're doing, you can never say that about Jesus. He knew exactly what he was doing upon the cross. Sure he did. What did Jesus say? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus knew what he was doing on Good Friday, and what he was doing was this. He was providing his Father with the one and only reason that there is to overlook your crimes and your screw-ups and your failures. On the cross, the defense attorney actually takes the place of the defendants. He takes upon himself their crimes along with their punishment. That's what Jesus did for you. So now when Jesus takes your sin before the Father and he pleads, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He also adds, Father, forgive them because I've already paid for their mistakes. Do you know what that's called? That's called love. That's called mercy. That's called grace. And it's a beautiful thing. When it comes to your sin and my sin, we're all guilty of a little insanity, aren't we? We try to cover things up and we make excuses and, and we try to tell ourselves that we really had no idea what we were doing as if we could ever get away with fooling God in the first place. But isn't it wonderful to know Jesus knew why he was dying that day? Jesus knew the reason for every drop that the Father had poured into his cup so that now, whenever Jesus carries your sin before God's throne, whenever Jesus prays, Father, forgive them because they don't have a clue, the Father always replies, Yes, son, I will forgive them. I will forgive them because of you. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.